just had to hear that drum roll a little bit, Julio. <laughs> Welcome to Rush the Field. I'm Jay Binkley. The all-college football hour here on 610 Sports Radio. Break open a little bit. We just heard Coach Kleiman talking there with the Coach Kleiman show, but uh, welcome in and welcome to you, Julio Sanchez, producing the operation. But what a wild and woolly time in college football. Get your roadmaps as games are being canceled left and right. We've had over 100 cancellations or postponements in college football. We got controversy with Ohio State. If their game is canceled this week against Michigan, they haven't played six games. The ADs came together and said, you got to play six games. You're not in the Big Ten title game. Well, all of a sudden, you're thinking of millions of dollars. And all of a sudden, the Big Ten's like, eh, Ohio State's in the top four. We got to figure out a way. We have to change the rules. Change as we go. That's what we like to do. Coastal Carolina, undefeated, number 18 in the college football rankings. The game against Liberty, who's all the way, by the way, having a great year with Hugh Freeze as head coach. One loss. They have a COVID issue. So they had to wait till yesterday to cancel the game. Check this out. BYU needed an opponent. Remember this this long thing in college football, we got to book games in advance? <laughs> they did it in one night. BYU is playing Coastal Carolina this weekend. College game day is there. So spare me the times it takes to uh, fill out these schedules. It's 2020. We just make up the rules as we go along. Well, we'll start off with Kansas State from last weekend. This was kind of a disappointing game if you're a K-State fan. Good hole, good snap. The kick is through. Baylor breaks its losing streak. And it's a yellow rush on the field, 32-31. John Mayer's 30-yard field goal as time expired and Kansas State loses to Baylor. This is a game where Kansas State had firm control of the game. I know Baylor gets up 6 to nothing. But this Kansas State just storms right back. It's eventually 14 to 6, then 17 to 6, then 24 to 15, before Baylor just kept creeping back in this game. Kept creeping back in this game. And if you're K-State, it's incredibly frustrating. Although it looks like this year, don't forget, K-State sits at 4 and 4, 4 and 5, 4 and 4 in the conference. That's the important thing in Texas this weekend. But the NCAA has done away with the uh, six win uh, parameter. All teams eligible for bowl games. However, we don't have 40 bowl games anymore. We got 34 because bowl games keep canceling. First time since the 60s, the Sun Bowl canceled. Pinstripe Bowl is canceling. Bowl games are being canceled left and right in college football. Let's hope they get this in. If they do, it's going to be limited fans. We know fans are what uh, puts money in the coffers of college football. But K-State, um, not, not a good time in Manhattan. They've lost four in a row now. This weekend, a chance to avenge that against Texas. 11 a.m. on Fox, and you can hear that game right here on 610 Sports Radio. Kansas State against Texas. 10-10 and 10 lifetime against the Longhorns, but 5-5 five and five in the last 10. But Texas has won the last three meetings. KSU's last win in 2016. Talking all things K-State coming up at 8-15 with John Kurtz, program director at K-Man in Manhattan, Kansas. Now on the Missouri as Missouri has been really turning things around, and Eli Drinkwitz really getting a lot of attention for what he's done with that football program. Missouri got a coach fired. Derek Mason of Vanderbilt fired this past weekend by losing to Mizzou as Mizzou was just all over Vandy. Coach Drinkwitz and company put up 600 yards of offense, and they take down Vanderbilt 41 to nothing, our final score. I mean, Missouri is just playing lights out. 
but I have to like the enthusiasm of the coach. Listen to Coach Drinkwitz. Mizzou put it on Twitter after the game. This is Coach Drinkwitz with Diet Coke in hand, mask on face, talking to the Missouri Tigers. That's right. It used to be Kansas, which is the natural rival, the oldest rivalry west of the Mississippi. But things have changed. Add an AR in front of the word Kansas, and this is what the SEC says. This is now your rival. We all know it's Kansas versus Missouri, and they will be squared off here soon enough as they've agreed to play. But Missouri is the only team with a winning record here locally. After that uh, 41 to nothing win, 603 yards of offense for Mizzou, only 185 for Vanderbilt. This week, 11 a.m. on the SEC Network and our sister station, 98.1 FM. Against the Hogs, Missouri 8-3. But they've won the last four meetings against the Hogs. Don't forget Barry Odom, former Missouri coach, defensive coordinator now for the Hogs. Their head coach, Sam Pittman, the big guys, former lineman, right? Guess where he went to school? He went to Pittsburgh State, played an alum of the Pittsburgh State Gorillas. Arkansas had lost 20 straight SEC games coming into this year. Sam Pittman's done a good job with Arkansas, but look for Missouri. They're on a roll. It has people talking, like Peter Burns was on a station in St. Louis, and the one thing about Peter Burns was he was talking about, could he be coach of the year? Could could he be the coach of the year in the SEC, Eli Drinkwitz, and what he's doing? And I think he needs strong consideration, considering covid taking over a program. We'll talk to Gary Pinkle about this coming up at 830, the all-time wins leader at the University of Missouri and Coach Pinkle, uh, who's up for the College Football Hall of Fame this year, joins us each and every week because he always talks about being regimented and how things thrown, thrown, thrown out of whack when you don't know who's playing on your team or who's playing on the next team. But it has people talking. Gene Chizik of SEC Network has been talking about Missouri. He was talking about talking to some of the other coaches and how difficult coaches say it is to play Missouri. They're unpredictable, and they're playing for Coach Drinkwitz, so it's going to be fun. But we also saw history in the making. Don't know if you saw this, uh, Julio, but Sarah Fuller, goalie for the SEC champion Vanderbilt Commodore soccer team, they're out of kickers. COVID, opt-out injuries, so they go to the, the ladies' soccer team and get the goalie, Sarah Fuller. She makes history with this kickoff. The announcement being made. Over the public address system number 32, Sarah Fuller set to kick off for the Commodores. And here she goes, and here's the kick. It is kicked and squibbed down and recovered at the 35-yard line. And there it is, college football history. Vanderbilt's Sarah Fuller becomes the first female to play in a Southeastern Conference or a Power 5 Conference game. How about that first SEC? Now, a lot of times, you know, people are looking at this and saying, okay, well, that's, that's pretty cool. It was a good moment. You know why? I'll give her full props. You know, here's the thing. She didn't, like, lobby to be on the football team. 
They don't even have a men's soccer team at Vanderbilt. They canceled that program in 2006. Their coach, friends with some of the football staff, they said, we got somebody you should take a look at with a strong leg. So they reached out to her and said, we need you. You know what she did? She was getting ready to go back home to like Texas or something, see her family over Thanksgiving. But you know what she did? She put on the shoulder pad, she put on the helmet, and she said, let's go play football. And she's traveling with the team to Georgia this week. I applaud her. You know, this wasn't, hey, can I play football? We need to play. No, this is, can you be on our team? And I think it's outstanding what she did. So Sarah Fuller, uh, first kickoff. Now, we've seen kicks uh, from ladies in college football, but not in the SEC. So interesting moment of history there at Missouri. For Kansas, much of the same. And TCU striding to midfield with a smile. They are now back to 500, four up and four down. Kansas got the absolute living hell beat out of them once again. This is a trend that's going on in Lawrence, Kansas. 59-23 to to TCU. Max Duggan, check this out. Listen to this. Max Duggan, their quarterback, had three completions. Those three completions, Julio, went for three touchdowns. Three completions. All they needed to do was run the football against Kansas. 337 yards rushing. This week, Kansas in Lubbock at Texas Tech, 11 a.m. on Fox Sports 2. Texas Tech, by the way, 19-2 against Kansas. Kansas did win last year, but Tech had won 12 straight before that. Kansas had that Texas game postponed. They'll play next weekend on the 12th. Some other news in college football. The Rose Bowl said they'll play it. It's one of the semifinal games, Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl on January 1st. But the Rose Bowls come out and said, no fans. There won't be any fans allowed in uh, at the Rose Bowl this year. And I got to give a personal shout out to the Mac. You know I like Mac football. Jared Patterson. Before you start shaking your head, Julio, have you heard of Jared Patterson? If you don't know his name, you better ask somebody. Let me tell you this. He had 1,800 yards last year. He's the second running back all time to have back-to-back rushing performances over 300 yards. He had 301, then 409. The second-best number in the history of college football. Had six runs of 30 yards or more to finish 409. The only other running back that's ever gone back-to-back, Ricky Williams, in 1998. He was 18 yards short of Samaja P. Ryan. He had 27 yards. He could have beaten that record. But you know what his coach did? He took him out. Coach Leipold took him out. You know what he said after the game? It wasn't until he walked off the field under the track that surrounds Buffalo's football field, he said. He found out exactly what Patterson had accomplished. I didn't know any of that. He tied the touchdown record of eight touchdowns in a game. He could have scored nine because the backup running back came in and scored a touchdown. He could have had, in the history of college football that goes beyond 100 years, he could have had the, the rushing record touchdown and the most yards, but the coach didn't know. Shame on you, PR staff at the University of Buffalo. Somebody's going to go tap the coach or get a memo to him and say, hey, keep Jarrett Patterson in that game. But I digress. We'll talk to John Kurtz from K-Man in Manhattan about all about the Kansas State Wildcats next. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio.
And welcome back to Rush the Field. We're efforting John Kurtz at K-Man in Manhattan. But in the meantime, there's a few other issues to chew on before Gary Pinkle, the former head coach, legendary head coach of the University of Missouri that joins us each and every week, joins me at 8.30. Then we'll talk to Alex Gold about the University of Kansas coming up coming up at, uh, up at 8.45. But th- this night commission, it's on ESPN.com. They're taking a look at this, and I figured it's always going to happen. They're recommending that NCAA football break away from the NCAA, which if we're starting to talk about athletes getting paid for their likeness or athletes being able to, uh, or the NCAA not being able to interfere in college football at all, they recommend they break away and the only sport to break away. So it'll be interesting to see if that's what happens. But if you're talking about paying athletes or whatever, this is where it comes, but they have to work on eligibility issues and everything else. But mirror the college football playoff is not run by the NCAA. It is run by the college football playoff committee. Now let's go to Manhattan, Kansas and talk to John Kurtz at JL Kurtz on Twitter, program director K man in Manhattan, where he hosts the show also does a podcast faithful to our colors on the 610 sports.com podcast network, the 435 podcast network. What's up, John? What's up, Jay? How are you, man? Hey, we're doing good brother. And I tell you what, man, that K-State Baylor's one-point loss was painful to watch. And I'm a neutral observer here. I pull, obviously, for K-State. That's where I've seen a few dollars go to uh, personally. But I'll be honest with you. I like Coach Kleiman. I like that. I felt like K-State really had this game. Ever since Charlie Brewer uh, scored that first touchdown and they didn't get their two-point conversion, they went up 6 to nothing. But then K-State just had firm control of this game till the end, and Baylor would just not go away. It's a frustrating game. I, I think, to me, it was the biggest gut punch of the season. I mean, there, there have been losses in uh, different formats that carried their own weight as far as that discussion is concerned. You lose 45 to nothing to Iowa State um, in a game where you just were not competitive at all. In fact, as outclassed as K-State has been by any team not named Oklahoma, in a game that I can remember, uh, it was brutal. It was very, very bad. Um, then you have the Oklahoma State game, which was a carbon copy of the Baylor game in a lot of ways. They, they raced out to a big lead in the first half. Uh, terrible third quarter. Let the opponent get back into it, and then you give the game away in the end. That game was more important at the time than what was going on in the season because K-State was still alive in the Big 12 title race at that point in time. But Baylor takes the cake for me just because of how badly this team needed a win. Um, I mean, it's been now... Six weeks since K-State won a football game. You've had some transfers mixed in there. Um, it's just been a really long, arduous year anyway. And the program just needed some good vibes. And you went out there and dominated, really, for a good portion of that game. Had an 11-point lead at halftime that should have been bigger. Nine-point lead on two different occasions in the fourth quarter. Even had some bad luck mixed in there with the way reviews were going and a crucial, crucial penalty that was called on Khalid Duke that I thought was very borderline, a roughing passer call. Uh, man, you mix all of that up, and it was uh, a really bad cocktail, unfortunately. It leaves a bad taste in your mouth for case they lose in that game. Charlie Brewer, the quarterback of Baylor, is a scrappy quarterback that's a, that's a really good quarterback, kind of underrated in a sense. And, and Baylor, you know, David Randa, new head coach, former LSU defensive coordinator, new head coach in Baylor, and it's tough. And it's got to be tough on these guys. Like Eli Drinkwitz, you know, I look at what he's doing in Missouri. It's got to be tough taking over a program and then being hit with COVID. And, of course, Baylor had the COVID issues early on in the season. But that's got to be tough for a new coach and a new system. 
all their losses combined, they have two wins. Baylor does, one over Kansas and one over Kansas State. But they've lost by a combined 37 points. I felt K-State's pass rush was on point. I thought they were getting the Brewer. Wyatt Hubert, what a great game for him. Uh, multiple sacks. He's down to seven and a half sacks. Leads the Big 12. I felt that that pass rush of K-State was going to keep them in the game to win this game. Yeah, I mean, that's the story of the game is K-State's defense went from being absolutely dominant in the first half, as good as they've looked all year, to being terrible in the second half. I mean, they allowed only 88 yards of offense in the first half, and the only six points they gave up were, were set up by a terrible interception um, by Will Howard that, that put Baylor right on the doorstep at the beginning of the game. So, really, I mean, you can't fault the defense for any of the points that were scored. Um, and completely came unglued, gave up almost 400 yards in the second half, and Baylor did whatever it was that they wanted to, and time and again, uh, K-State just could not come up with a stop. I think Baylor made some key adjustments. It's pretty clear. They, they started going to more uh, screen and draw, quick hitter sort of stuff to neutralize K-State's pass rush, and the tackling for K-State became poorer and poorer as the game wore on, which is honestly a smart strategic move there by Baylor, just get the ball quickly to players in space and force K-State to make tackles and wear down because K-State was playing without its two starting linebackers for a second straight game. Elijah Sullivan adjusted views because of COVID. So the two players that are playing in those spots, Cody Fletcher and, and Daniel Green, they're having to all of a sudden play twice as many snaps as they're used to playing. And, and it's clear that those guys really did just wear down as the game wore on. I mean, they didn't really mix anybody else in at linebacker. So that became a really tough situation. And, you know, I mean, again, I point to the third quarter where K-State's been outscored 35 to nothing now in the last four games in the third quarter, and you just wonder about the adjustments being made by opponents. Um, and in this case, Baylor's offense against K-State's defense, and, and Wildcats can't seem to solve that problem right now and come up with some counter-adjustments of their own. But that was definitely where the game was won, Baylor figuring things out on offense and, and Charlie Burr being savvy enough to take advantage. The bright spot was Deuce Vaughn. He got a 100-yard game, had had a 100-yard game in seven games, believe it or not. Had had 100 yards since October 3rd against Texas Tech. Goes with 102, three catches, 19 yards. So I guess that was the bright spot. Now, here's the thing with college football this year. Um, they don't have the win parameters on going to a bowl game. We're down to 34 bowl games at this point, John. And I was looking at Brett McMurphy on the stadium. He put out his bowl projections. And he had Minnesota playing Kansas State December 26, which matches up the Big Ten and the Big 12 and the guaranteed rate bowl. The only problem is these bowls have been canceling left and right. So who knows if they're going to play the bowl or not, but it looks like Kansas State could be going bowling. Yeah, I talked with Gene Taylor earlier this week about that, K-State's athletic director. I think the expectation is that K-State will be going to a bowl win or lose um, against Texas. Uh, Worst-case scenario is that K-State finishes seventh in the Big 12, and you do have seven uh, bowl slots for the league. So if you're, if you're just going down in order there and nothing does get canceled, you'd likely be heading to one. And I, I think, to be honest with you, I don't, if I'm a player, I don't know how excited I would be about playing one of those minor bowl games because it's going to be more of a fly-in, fly-out deal. You don't get some of the perks yeah. that typically go along with that, just you know the fun of hanging out with your team and doing cool things in a cool city. You're not going to have that this year. And let's be honest, for all these guys, it's been a long season. They can't go out and do things that they would typically be doing with their friends because they're worried about passing these COVID tests. Um, and at K-State, I mean, it's been a really stressful year with some big ups and big downs, mostly downs here the last uh, half-plus of the season. I don't know how interested the players would be in playing them, but I do know that Chris Kleiman and the coaches very much want it just to get some extra development time, which 
the developmental program, they say that all the time. It certainly was under Bill Snyder. You just need the extra reps, and they've missed out on so many reps with so many players throughout the year who have had to be sitting because of COVID. I mean, you do the aggregate number, it's like upwards of 70 kids on K-State's team that have been out and missed time with COVID this year. You'd love to recoup some of that practice time at the end of the year. So they would definitely go. It sounds like that's still likely here as of right now, but, I mean, it's 2020. Who knows uh, what could change between now and then. Well, the, if it was the guaranteed rate bowl game, that is in Phoenix, Maricopa County, which is having a bit of a COVID issue now, but it's where the 49ers, you know, move there from Santa Clara, California to there with the Cardinals. And so maybe they would play that game. Maybe they wouldn't. But Texas on the horizon for the Kansas State Wildcats this weekend, uh, they recently saw their third leading rusher opt out this past week. But um, as far as as far as Texas is concerned, K- KSU ten and ten lifetime against Texas, five and five in the last ten. But Texas has won the last three. K State has not won since two thousand sixteen. Yeah, and to me, this this game is just all about what Texas team shows up. Um, I don't know that you're going to find a more distracted team in the country right now, based on everything that's going on in Austin. I mean, it's wild listening to Tom Herman press conferences right now. He, the guy's been being asked about Urban Meyer for the last three years. <laughs> and his wife Everybody shopping for real estate. Run. I mean, and that's not even an exaggeration. It's, it's crazy. I mean, it got to the point this week where he even got asked, Tom Herman did, if he was going to play Sam Ellinger at quarterback with the line of thinking being, well, hey, this season's basically over. Why not play the younger kid at quarterback and see what you have instead of, you know, some deference to the guy that's been Texas football for the last four years and is the one guy you can count on to be bringing it 100% game in, game out. But I guess that's just the media landscape in Austin. But throw that in with the fact that Texas had two major opt-outs this week. Caden Stearns is an all-Big 12 safety. He decided to opt-out and not play the last two games of the season. And then um, I'm going to space on the kid's name, but a, a potential first or second round offensive lineman. He has also opted out. There's another offensive lineman. Texas starting center is questionable with an ankle injury. Uh, Keontae Ingram may not play. Like there's, Texas is dealing with a number of personnel issues and guys that, frankly, have just quit on their team right now. Well, and so Keontae Ingram, their, their leading rusher from last year, uh, who has got 250 yards this year, he's dealt with some injuries. He's opted out for the rest of the season. So okay. that's, that's another one. Add that one. Yeah, that's that's another one to throw on there. I know he's <laughs> a guy that was questionable with an injury, too, before that. So, yeah, they they have all kinds of issues right now. With and he's going to transfer. So what what kind of a, what kind of an effort are you going to get? What kind of an effort <laughs> are you going to get out of Texas coming to play the last two games of the year, which are against two Kansas schools, one of which is uh, four and five, and one of which is over? Um, I, I don't know that if I'm a Texas player, I'd find many reasons to be super motivated to, to come play that game. So I think there's your hope. I mean, K State's yeah. got a lot of problems. Uh, the offense was better against Baylor. I suppose that gives you hope, but. Mainly to me, it's just all about, hey, if you can get a really hey, cashed-it-in Texas team that doesn't care about playing the game, you, you certainly have a chance. John Kurtz, K-Man in Manhattan. He also does Faithful to Our Colors podcast on the 435 Podcast Network right here on 610sports.com. Thanks a ton, John. Hey, anytime, Big. There you go, John Kurtz right there. We'll take a look at the University of Missouri with the Missouri all-time wins leader in wins and also all-time wins leader at Toledo. Coach Gary Pinkle next. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Rush the Field. Time to talk Missouri Tigers with the all-time wins leader at the University of Missouri and the University of Toledo. And not only that, a two-time MAC Coach of the Year, but a one-time SEC Coach of the Year. 
Coach, good afternoon or good evening, shall I say. Uh, how you doing? Hey, we're doing good. I mentioned SEC Coach of the Year because I, I went back and I was like, well, how many times did Coach win Coach of the Year and stuff like this? And the reason I asked this is because I'm pretty sure Eli Drinkwitz will get some talk uh, for Missouri in Coach of the Year. I mean, for what he's done, the job he's done, taking over a new program. I was looking at bowl projections uh, today, and some of them had Missouri in the Gator Bowl. That's That would be an incredible feat, and what a job he's done. Really has, and you know, I offensively, defensively, the whole team, and uh, in, in remarkably difficult situations. And you know, you think about it, didn't have hardly spring football at all, and you know, and, and the constant changes, which we all talk about, you know, whether it's the NFL, high school, or, football, or college, constant changes that are going on, and that's that's the that's kind of the theme you know, to, to be able to adapt. You know, you never know what's going to happen. You know, you might be playing somebody on Tuesday, and then you think you're going to be playing them uh, when you're practicing on Tuesday, and you find out after practice that you're going to play a different team, and and you got to just adjust. and And he's done a good job of that, and I really, I'm excited for him, and uh, in really, really challenging circumstances. Coach, it amazes me this this season's been insane. Almost 100 games canceled at this point. We talk about this each and every week. But you know how these games were only scheduled five and six years in advance. They put isn't it funny how these these games are put together like on the fly? Like here's here, we'll take BYU for example. Coastal Carolina had their game this weekend canceled against Liberty. They were going to play Liberty, and that game got postponed. So they put this game together actually last night, where BYU will be playing Coastal Carolina, which I'm glad they're playing. They're undefeated. They should play. I would like to see this game. But it's weird how some of these games are scheduled in advance. It's amazing what athletic directors can do putting games together on the fly like we've seen uh, Missouri to do in the SEC scheduling. Yeah, again, that's the year. It's just it's, it is it is absolutely crazy and you know, I you know, I, I really respect and you know them and 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 even though they you know have to make all these adjustments at the end of the day it's still been so good to have college football back and you know, certainly all, all levels of football. And you know what they did? We just find a way to do it. Administrators just worked it out. They, you know, they they did the things necessary so so that uh, we, you know, that we were in a position that we were going to have a chance to at least to play some football. And and I think overall it's been a it's been extraordinarily successful. And and um, you know, hopefully we can you know finish pretty good here. And and so hopefully uh, you know the COVID thing will be able to get this thing under control here in the first half of next year. Boy, I hope so. It's weird because I saw UCLA at the beginning of the year. They had two games canceled there and their game in Cal, and they put the game together in two days, and they played on Sunday. It's just, it's just what it what reminds me of: just teams getting together, <laughs> calling other teams, "Hey, you, you want to play football or not?" You know, in, in Missouri and Oregon, the basketball game they just had. You know, it's hey, you want to play? <laughs> it's not even on the schedule. Do you want to play? But I love the creativity of, of of coaches and competition, just wanting to play football. Yeah, I mean, you know, I had some of my colleague friends who've talked on the phone, you know, several times, you know, a week really about all the things that are going on. And they often say to me, say, well, you wouldn't have been able to handle it. You'd have been so upset, you know, because I'm so detailed and, yeah. and you know, and disciplined and have a plan in place. This is what we do on Mondays. This is what we do on Tuesdays in our preparation and so on and so forth. And, um, but I would like to think that you adapt. I mean, that's that's what you have to do. And uh, you know, I think um, the ability to have a team with good leadership on it, you know, also will help too. You know, your lead, your, all your assistant coaches are good leaders. 
certainly as a head coach, but you know, you really draw from your senior, you know, seniors and captains and uh, the leadership of different positions to, to work together and, and have a great attitude as you battle through these adversities. And really the teams that did that are really the teams that have had most success. You know what I think really would have drove you nuts, Coach? Because I know you the way you are with quarterbacks. What the Denver Broncos had to do last week when they didn't have a quarterback and they had to bring a guy from the practice squad to play quarterback. That would have driven you nuts. Unbelievable. Uh, absolutely incredible. And I first heard that, I said, they're going to have to cancel for sure. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, never, they never had anything in their rules saying no quarterbacks. You know, you're going to find a way to put some belts in there, and that's what they did. And, uh, you know, Drew's doing a really good job with them. And yeah. it's learn their system and everything. So, uh, no, it's, uh, it's, it's brutal. Yeah, that would have driven you completely nuts. But let's talk about these Tigers. That was a, that was a fun game to watch uh, against Vanderbilt because just how everything was working. I mean, the offense, the defense, they ran the ball for 223 yards. Roundtree, incredible game once again. Connor Bazelak, incredibly efficient, 30-37, 318 yards. It's been fun to watch his growth. It's been fun to watch what a lot of these coaches are saying about Coach Drinkwitz and the way that he's putting game plans. The way I've heard, teams don't want to play Missouri because Missouri's coming out every week looking for ways to beat you. they got a bunch of guys that care and buy it into the system, but it's been fun to watch Basilak in this offense and seeing what Drinkwitz is doing, and then the defense really stepped up. Incredible game. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's, it's really it has been interesting. I, you know, I think um, Eli's a a real good offensive mind. I think he loves that. He was a great coordinator prior to becoming head coach, and he's one of those guys that kind of carry that over, you know, where I just kind of, you know, I coached the coaches and, and, and did that and had that type of a philosophy. But he's uh, calling plays. I think he's a uh, um, very smart guy, and, and uh, you know, players are really buying into it too. So I think offensively, it was, you know, last week you're playing a team that wasn't very good. Um, and, you know, how are you going to play? And if you have an immature team or your team's kind of, you know, leadership's lax a little bit or what have you, and you go out and, 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 and win 20 to 17, it's great that you won, but, you know, you didn't, you didn't really make yourself a whole lot better. Well, we dominated, the, you know, the, the game on offense, dominated on defense, and, you know, certainly it was, uh, it was really great. Nick Bolton is really, I, mean, I just oh. am so impressed with him, my linebacker. I don't even know what to say. I, you know, I was all-conference player a year ago. Um, you know, he could go out early. I don't know. I'm just telling you. I, I, that's it. You know, you know, he reminds me a little of Sean Witherspoon. Spoon was a first-round draft pick, and, yep. um, and so I, you know, this guy's this guy has really got this instinct to play football and play linebacker. And linebacker um, is is a difficult position to play. Uh, but you know, you, you have to have instincts where your quarterback linebacker would have you. you, you have to have instinct to be able to react and think and adjust and not overthink. And, you know, one, one millionth of a second late or, or too quick, uh, you know, you can't make a play, but he, he is incredibly impressive you've had some uh, along with other guys. And I think they've, they've yeah. done a really good job on defense too. You've had some special guys on defense, but, uh, he would be one right up there with some of those uh, great ones you had. Yeah, really, and, and I think that uh, you know he's a he's a guy that not get nothing get better. I don't know how you get better he's playing this year. So I don't know if he's going to go out earlier or not. I mean, I don't know. They'll be able to get projections. Someone sure. uh, talked to yesterday said that they heard that he's projected to be a late first round pick. 
Um, I'll tell you, he's, he's, he's gifted. You know, I certainly want him back next year. But what I always told my players, too, that went out early, and I probably had probably half a dozen or more than that, that, uh, that went out early. It's, it's about whether they're ready or not. And for my son, and I'm telling you, if you are ready, and we, when we have good information that you are going to be a first-round draft pick, then I tell people to go. I did that to J-Mac. I did that to a bunch of guys. And, uh, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, you want, you, you want to do what's right. And you don't want to keep a guy on another year when you know he could have had a first-round draft pick and you try to talk him into staying. I never did that, you know. I treat him like my son. You're ready to go. And if he, if he said, well, I'm not really ready yet, then don't go. But, you know, we've talked to the scouts and all the people, and we've got information that you, you will, no question, be a first-round pick. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how we handle all that. And uh, I know we'll see what happens. He's just so much fun to watch. Arkansas this weekend, Coach, is the new rivalry in the SEC. I know that uh, when I always think of the rivalry, I'm excited Missouri's going to play Kansas again. Yeah, they, they, this is a rivalry game, so to speak. But uh, we know there's other bigger fish that uh, when Missouri plays, it's more fun. Yeah, this is this is uh, you know, uh, people ask me about that. Well, how did you you know? So you all of a sudden you're the rival game. What would you do with your players? I said, well, we don't, we're not playing Kansas anymore. Okay, eventually we're probably going. It's good news. We're probably going to play them in a couple of years. Get that going again. But this is our new rivalry, and you know what? That's when people can tell us it's our rival game, and it is, and let's go win it. We're going to start, you know, accumulating, hopefully, victories and things like that. So um, I think one thing really interesting about this game is Barry Odom, and, you know, who was a yep. Barry Odom's a graduate assistant for me, director of operations, or, you know, coordinator. And, and obviously, you know, he, had a, he, he was head coach here for a few years and struggled a little bit, did some good things. But, uh, you know, he's going to have a great future even, you know, I think as a head coach again with, you know, things he learned. And um, But he's doing a heck of a job of their defense at, at Arkansas. And uh, I guarantee you he is going to be a little bit pumped up uh, for this game. <laughs> well, I'm sure he is. And Sam Pittman, the former Pitt State grad, uh, the head coach at Arkansas, looking forward to that. Two other nuggets here, Coach, I want to get your opinion on nationally. Uh, the Big Ten's in a situation. We, we've talked about this, though, not having the wiggle room with these bye weeks. You know, here's Ohio State, and if Michigan cancels their game with Ohio State next week, they don't have enough games to be in the Big Ten title game. And then Barry Alvarez and others in the Big Ten are saying, well, we'll have to go back and revisit our rules. See, this is the problem there now. They said you had to play six games, but now all of a sudden with all these game cancellations, you have a team like Ohio State that right now is in the playoffs, but might not be able to be eligible for the Big Ten title game. What a mess. Yeah, what a mess that is. And, again, I'm not sure – how that's going to unfold. I think there's got to be a common sense factor in there. There's got to be, yeah. you know, some human, you know, people, you know, vote a commissioner, uh, head coaches, you know, to, you know, just to kind of do what the right thing is to make the right votes uh, to get the best people in there. Um, you know, if you look at them vote for the national championship, the, you know, the vote out there and, you know, how they have a house state up there in the top, in the top four for sure. Um, that should be able to give it a little power, I think, going into it. But uh, you know, you're right. I don't, I don't know if anybody could foresee all the little things, different things that can happen during this thing. And at the end of the day, you just want to get it right. Coach, uh, I got uh, one last thing for you, and I know what a huge fan you are of Notre Dame not being in a conference. They finally, <laughs> pl- they finally played the conference this year. They're in the conference title game. How about that? They're one from. <laughs> They're one for one and being in a conference and being in a title game. 
Well, my whole my whole thing with that, and so you know, listeners know this is my, my. I just don't like one one team. Like Notre Dame has their own NBC or whatever it is, and we're not going to get in a conference because we got our own. Well, guess what? Alabama can get out. Oklahoma can get out. Ohio State can get out. They can go do their own thing. And we start doing all that and having everybody follow in like like Notre Dame that does it. It would really hurt college football. So that's what it's about. That's what it's about for mm-hmm. me. They are probably more physical football team defensively than I've seen for the last 20 years. And I think that's that's the difference in this team. This team is physical, and and uh, you know it'll be really interesting to see what happens. Um, but I'll, I still will not like Notre Dame. So <laughs> I just threw that in there. <laughs> I just threw it in there because I was like, you know what? They're right. They're in the conference title game the first year. They're they're actually not going to be in the conference next year. It's just this year they did to to fill out their schedule. But uh, check out coaches' work, GaryPinkle.com. You can see the foundation there, donate, and uh, try to help it out. He does a lot of great causes with that. And, of course, the 100-yard journey is on there as well. If you're looking for a, a gift for your Missouri Tiger fan in your life, it's a great book uh, written with Dave Matter, forward by Nick Saban, who's number one right now in the college football playoffs. And, Coach, I uh, hope everybody's healthy. hope you're staying safe. And uh, it's always fun talking football with you. Oh, God bless everybody out there. And uh, we'll all, all be safe. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Coach. Gary, Gary Pinkle joining us. They're always opinion on Notre Dame, but he called them physical this year because they're not in the conference. A team that is in a conference in the Big 12, but they haven't won yet. The Kansas Jayhawks. Joining us next will be Alex Gold from 10 to 2 on Cody and Gold. Also, Wave in the Wheat podcast on the 435 Podcast Networks. We talk to Alex next. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio. Well, you hear that fight song, it's time to talk Hawk with Alex Gold from Cody and Gold, 10 to 2 daily. Make sure you check it out. They had Alex Okafor of the Kansas City Chiefs on earlier, and they have a special Chiefs guest each and every Thursday. Alex also waves the wheat on the Wave in the Wheat podcast on the 435 Podcast Network. Alex, we don't have uh, NFL football to watch tonight, so uh, what are you doing? See, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, Sporting KC, it's been a disappointment so far tonight. Yeah. It's been awfully good uh, for them here against Minnesota, down 3-0 already. So it's been a little disappointment, but you're right. It's weird not having a little Thursday night American football. Yeah, that's right. 3 nothing right now, uh, Minnesota over Sporting KC. I have it on here in the studio. And, Alex, it's uh, obviously we're not talking Jayhawk basketball. Much different story, but Jayhawk football once again. And the game against TCU, I keep waiting for those little moments of improvement with Kansas. And I was looking at the rushing defense and allowing 337 yards. Max Duggan, the quarterback from TCU, he had three completions, Alex, and they all went for touchdowns. <laughs> three completions. <laughs> yeah. it, it's got to be a record. Three completions, three touchdowns, but they roll Kansas 59-23. to 23. Yeah, I mean, from the first half to see the, the three touchdowns, 24 points right away in the first quarter given up by the Jayhawks defense. You already, you know, you dig yourself a hole. It's a tough enough challenge already if, if you're Kansas, but then to dig yourself a hole like that, you didn't get good quarterback play in the first half from Jalen Daniels. And so the last drive of the first half, they say, all right, let's switch things up. Less miles. Let's go with Miles Kendrick. They do. He actually creates a little bit of, uh, uh, of I guess, energy. In, in yeah, a little bit. There before the half. And then in the second half, Bink, they. They stick with Miles Kendrick, and it seemed like, oh, well, he's going to be the guy maybe this week against Texas Tech. 
Uh, but he made some mistakes down the stretch. So now it's kind of, again, this weekly occurrence. Every time I come on with you, it's like, who's going to be the quarterback this week? And yeah. I think it'll be Miles Kendrick, but but you never know. You know, the the defense for, for Kansas continues to obviously be a struggle. But uh, the, the offensive line, I think, was the one long-term positive. And what I mean by that is they've had three freshmen on the offensive line against TCU. Well, maybe they can get Tom Herman fired when they play Texas in a couple of weeks. <laughs> that, that worked against Charlie Strong. That'll do it, yeah. Yeah, it worked. But they play Texas Tech this weekend. It's 11 a.m. game. All three of the local teams play 11 a.m., believe it or not. Texas Tech, 19-2 and against the Jayhawks. And you think of some of these programs, of course, Mahomes was part of that as well. But Kansas won last year. But before that, Tech had won 12 straight before that. Tech looking for a little revenge against the Jayhawks? I, I certainly think that could be the case, Bank. Uh, obviously, the dominance that they have had prior to that. It looks like Matt Wells not going to coach for Texas Tech. He's dealing with COVID. Uh, you know how much of an impact will that be? Kansas had a game without Les Miles. Let me ask coach. you though: Does it point, matter? Does it matter? Exactly. I, I was going to say no. It probably doesn't matter, Bank. Unfortunately, I think I just want to continue to see some of these freshmen get opportunities long term. I mentioned the offensive linemen having three of them start. Like at least at this point, if you're going to make a change at your your offensive line, you already moved on from your offensive line coach and made some adjustments there. You might as well get some experience for these freshman linemen and see maybe if you can't use that for, for the long-term future of the program. And I think that's kind of what the goal has to be, these final two games against Texas Tech. And then you mentioned Tom Herman and, and Texas, and it sounds like now there's going to be some fans at least at the games. Jeff Long, the, the KU Athletic Director, making that announcement tonight that at least next week, for one week only at this point in time, they're going to have fans for both the basketball game against Creighton and the football game against Texas next week. Well, what's the cap on that, 2,500? For basketball, for basketball. I it's, it, yeah, I think it's 1,500 to 2,500, and then football, like 9,000-ish, uh, roughly. Will they fill 9,000? I don't think so, Bank. No. <laughs> senior night, but it's a senior, a senior game against Texas, I don't think. Unless Texas fans want to, want to travel for that one. I think senior day in college football is one of the uh, most confusing days because everybody's got that extra year of eligibility. <laughs> right. I mean, right. this, because they could be coming back. They're seniors. They might have senior day, but yet they might have two senior days because they can technically come back next year. Now, it's going to be difficult for coaches because they're going to tell some kids, take care, see you later. That's what they're going to happen because they're a series of one-year contracts we know with college football. But, uh, yeah, for Kansas, I mean, you have to look at the uh, the one win. They usually find a way to do it. Last year was against Texas Tech, 37-34. to 34. I wonder if this could be the game or if it's Texas, but you just know Kansas is going to find a way to win one of these games. Which one's it going to be? Well, I mean, if it's going to be one, it probably is this week, Bing, but I don't think they're going to find it this year, unfortunately. I don't think they're going to even sneak up on anybody this year. There's too many too many changes that they've had during the season with opt-outs. We know earlier about you know Puka Williams, and then you know even even this past week, another offensive lineman, their punter that's been hurt, just a punter, but I know that's silly, but still, he just opted out. Like they've had... They, they just have too many switches they've made during the season as well, and I, I don't think anything like that's going to be happening, unfortunately, this year. Yeah, and it's, Puka was one of those guys. Like, this is a reason to watch the Jayhawks, you know, see what Puka is going to do, and obviously he had opted out for personal reasons this year. But it's going to be interesting with that extra year of eligibility. I don't know if you saw that Knighton report today they had on ESPN where they're talking about, uh, you know, pulling the 130 teams away from the NCAA, governing themselves in college football. I think college football only. Because, of course, they don't do the college football playoff. But I think that could be interesting on the horizon for paying athletes and maybe getting to the point we want to see. 
I mean, I'm, w- I'm with you on that. I would love to see that happen. I think the NCAA obviously is a complete joke, and when it comes to football at Division One level, they don't do much to begin with other than some oversight and cause some headaches. So on the football end, I think uh, most people at the Power Five level would absolutely be for that. Look at what happened this year. I know you're an advocate for expanding the college football playoff as well. Yeah. Like, the NCAA can't step in for that anyway. You might as well have everybody just have some some sort of separation to begin with. Alex, we've got about 30 seconds. Who was your survivor pick this week in the NFL? Yeah, I went with the Minnesota Vikings okay. against Mike yeah. Lennon in Jacksonville. What yeah. about you? Uh, I'm going Raiders. I'm going Raiders. So is Barbershop. You and Cody against the Jets. And okay. Barbershop. And he's lucky, man. He's lucky. The Go problem is Jets. I yes. went with Cody with Minnesota, right? And we lost. But anyway, I got him out of time, Alex. We'll talk to you soon, brother. All right, man. We'll see you. There's Alex Gold, Cody and Gold. Thanks. We'll see you. Thank you, Julio. Appreciate it. We'll see you guys uh, tomorrow night. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio.